Welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio Dispatches from the Verge. Today we are continuing our Pathways to Presence series. We are in October, so that is topic number 10, which is worship. Um, for If this is your first time catching this, uh, basically what David and I do, have, we've taken the 12 topics from uh, Richard Foster's book, uh, Celebration of Discipline, and we break down each one, one a month, and sort of give our interpretation and our experience around um, each of the topics. And today we um, tackle worship. So before we get into that, thank you to Danny West. He does all the editing and sound engineering. Thank you to Jacob at Monk Drums. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain Community or want to read more of David's writings, The Ruined com is a place to check that out um if you want to hear other episodes of the podcast drcrpod.com as well as wherever you found this episode as well as uh if you're listening to this the day it is released which would be october 25th uh there is an event a pecha Kucha event that david is going to be reading um some of his haiku poetry uh, it's October 27th at 7 p.m., so two days from today, at the Plaza Theater in El Paso, Texas. Uh, the address is 125 West Mills Ave. Uh, there is a $10 um, admission, and there'll be uh, several different um, artists and uh, people that have made a, a social impact in the greater El Paso area uh, presenting information and we are hoping we will have um copies of the book desolate beauty the book of light and shadow that uh has all of uh, or not all of but that has david's uh haiku poetry so please come join us uh, there'll be a group of us there uh stop by and say hello we'd greatly appreciate it and if you're interested in getting a copy of David's book and you're not going to be able to make the event uh, email desertrainpoem at gmail.com to get a copy Um, and as soon as we have a website up we will give that information too so if you enjoy what you're hearing please tell a friend we appreciate you and let's get into it welcome to Desert Rain Community Radio David Morrison hola sir Good morning, sir. Uh, today, we are continuing our Pathways to Presence series, number 10 out of 12. Wow. Yeah, we've come a long way. And today's topic is worship. Um, so it's funny because as I was listening and, and reading the chapter on the audibles, um, it's, I, I've... I have never really participated that much in because like Catholic service or, you know, mass is a type of worship. Right. But a lot of the things that he's talking about, like the singing and speaking in tongues and stuff like that yeah. is not, <laughs> <laughs> or it's a very toned down singing. If there is singing, it's uh it's almost more like chanting, but um, so yeah, so maybe we can start off with you. You're the expert in worship, I would say. No, and, I don't uh, think so. Um, maybe you can give a little overview of what 
sort of the the quick pitch of of um, this idea of of worship, and then we can go sort of down some of the different rabbit holes. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah, there are different expressions of worship, and that's just in the in Christian history. And let's just say it it evolves. Even if you look at the the Jewish scriptures and their history, the temple. Uh, system, which is the center of, you know, the expression Mm -hmm. of worship, it evolves. You have, you know, the tabernacle of Moses, then that evolves into the tabernacle of David, which gives way to the temple of Solomon, uh, which uh, gets destroyed and then rebuilt, becomes the second temple. And then, and so it's, and then it all just gets pushed into the Torah Mm-hmm. By by the time uh, after after Jesus probably okay uh, it was in transition then and so so even then it, it evolves and it's not to say it upgrades I'm not saying that uh, so I'm it saying just cha- it, ha- it just changes yeah so I'm saying in the in our own personal experience it does the same thing the expression of worship in your life changes evolves I'm not saying it upgrades I'm not saying what I do now is better than what I expressed then. Right. It's just, uh, you know, it's not, it's like, it'd be like saying, well, acrylic oil paints are better than watercolor or superior. Well, it's like in the terms of beauty and the experience of the beholder, well, it's an irrelevant conversation. Yeah. Just different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So you have, yeah, a whole tradition of liturgy, of singing, worship, praise, uh, adoration, Worship uh, literally means prostration to 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 uh, lie down on your on your flat on the ground, mm, right? Uh, to bless all those kinds of things, and it all involves the body, you know. And I, I think that's what's important about it. And so, uh, and and in the Christian tradition, it's well, and and Jewish as well. the The temple was a mirror of the eternal. Mm, so so you right. have this temple complex uh, where you'd go through, you know, the court of the Gentiles, the outsiders, the rest of the world was allowed to be a part of, of, you know, this outer court Mm -hmm. area. Then you go, and then they separated men and women. So there's a court of the women. Mm. uh, uh, And I I think more conservative uh, branches of religion, all religions still do that, separate men and women that way. Um, I've been when some guy in college invited me to a church and they they split. Yeah, half of the guys were on one side and half of the women or the one half was where the guys sat and the other half yeah. was where the women sat. It was very interesting. I've got no time for that. I'm sorry. It's just not my, you know. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then but then you go deeper into these different, uh, you know, the altar of incense, and then you finally end up in the what they call the holy of holies where there was a very small, empty room Mm. um, and the Ark of the Covenant sat in there. And then the the teaching of of the Jewish tradition is that the, what they call the Shekinah glory, the presence of the Almighty was between the two angels Mm. uh, carved into the the Ark of the Covenant. If you've seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, it's very, (laughs) have you seen that documentary? and yeah, and it was all, and that room was only entered once a year by one person. Mm. 
so was that like the top priest the high priest yeah to offer the 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 final sacrifice for all the sins of Israel mm. so that kind of thing and so so in the christian tradition it's it's becomes a variation on that theme uh that became the conflict in Judaism with Christianity is that Christianity was seen as idolatrous mm. uh blasphemous because they were saying uh, at the crucifixion, the the veil of the temple tears in two. Mm-hmm. So saying now the entire cosmos is this holy of holies, the entire cosmos, and 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 the temple exists in your heart now. Mm. And so there is a a a holy of holies in every single heart. Mm. And so that's kind of the 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 whole thing. Now take it to contemporary times, the mass. Is yeah is is a is a replication. Uh, what am I trying to say? The mass replicates mm. the scene in heaven, if you will, uh, such as the Book of Revelation that you see the pouring out of, you know, they they pour into different chalices and bowls, and uh, and so it's some argue that, uh, and then in, and then if the, what we'd call low church, the charismatic Pentecostal, which is a a wild loud experience of worship uh that was the teaching we had back then too and that's what attracted me to worship was that as a group as a church as a congregation when we begin to sing uh the spirit descends on us Mm -hmm. the spirit manifests and we enter into the holy of holies together in a collective sense well and and i I believe that that yeah and it's interesting because um foster actually sort of gives a shout out to that yeah, how yeah, the charismatic church nice. has, has maintained that and and kept it alive. This idea yeah. of singing and the collectivism of it. Now the problem with it is <clears throat> is that it got associated that theology that we are collectively entering into the most sacred place into the heart of God. Uh, the the theology got confused with the expression, and so what does that? So like in our break that down a little in, bit. In my charismatic experience, we were singing. The external uh, uh, container of our worship was uh, contemporary style of worship, uh, folk mm-hmm. rock, very white, uh, and you know. And then, and then, if you go into more charis- or more Pentecostal, it, it would be uh, uh, what they'd call black gospel now, mm-hmm. southern gospel sometimes, mm-hmm. um, soulful, a soulful kind of music, uh, simpler lyrics. Uh, you know, and very emotional. And so, so it got confused. So, so then it became an industry called contemporary worship. Oh, I see what you're saying. And then, and so a lot of churches picked it up because they thought this will make our church grow. Okay. It became a church growth thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they ditched that theology and that, and, and encouraging that experience to, to mm. have a group of people, a congregation expect that, have that kind of an expectation when they go in and instead it became a performance. And I think that's what you see mm. in, in a lot of contemporary churches today because they lost the, or the never had, or never it. had that theology. Interesting. And so now it's basically, why do we worship? Because God likes it. God demands it. God is seeking worshipers. Mm. And then, it, and then once you get more cerebral and progressives are more cerebral, rational, and I say it's better just tend to go that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see progressive political, political progressives, uh, uh, emotionally tied to Joe Biden 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Or really, I mean, or, or of, really anything, right? Well, except for being—that's not true. They are emotionally tied to like virtue signaling, right? Yeah, like saying yeah. we're better, we're better than you because because yeah, you know, we have the right quote unquote right ideas. Yeah, there's that for sure. But what I'm saying is, which you is very emotional. You don't see the. It's not rational. The, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, I guess that analogy fell apart. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually <laughs> both sides of the extreme are extremely emotional. When you there's, go to there's very little yeah. rationality behind it. I guess a main let me restart here. Uh, a, a mainline Protestant church tends to be more cerebral mm-hmm. in its worship expression. And I would say they're not that progressive. They're more middle of the road. Yeah, they're kind of a safe like the safe lane, right? Like they might say they have certain political ideas, right? Yeah. But then I'm when it goes to voting, it's like we're going to go the middle of the road. Yeah, whatever might <laughs> will help my tax situation. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not talking about pro- when I say progressive uh, theology. I don't mean it's not tied to politics. It's it's tied to a way of of interpreting scripture and expression. So anyway, uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Or you were talking about the losing the oh, yeah, 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 emotionalism yeah. of the singing and worship. So yeah, so just saying the argument, using the argument because God likes it. If you mm. take a rational approach to that, it just unravels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes no that sense. That falls apart. That's all I was trying to yeah, actually yeah. say. Um, <laughs> and so one of the things that came to mind for me personally, um, and I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are already familiar, but I'm interested in what your, when when you were running the church out of the high school, what did your worship look like? Like, could you give out, could you sort of lay out oh, what, yeah. that, what that looked like for us? Yeah, it was, it was very... Very important to us. And yeah, we definitely every every Sunday we would uh, lay out that theology. We are coming together, uh, the inward Holy of Holies of, of each of us individually is becoming a collective Holy of Holies. And, and this isn't just a song time. Mm-hmm. Uh, this isn't just a, a, uh, a warm up for the sermon. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is it. This is life. You do this here so that your life will become this. This is this is a uh, you know very important. Uh, it was like the fire drill we sometimes talk about. Yeah, yeah you would do this weekly fire drill. I, I would say we took it. The fire drill was the real thing too. Okay. We we were that. That's where I was at then. Okay. Uh, and so, what would the like sort of schematically? What did it look like from beginning to end? So yeah, usually it was usually the worship leaders that we had uh, uh, were, were trained in the vineyard. Mm-hmm. And in that vineyard training, the general thing is uh, you have kind of an invitation to worship song, you know, come splash in the water of the spirit <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, a yeah. lot of times it would be a kind of a giveaway song because people are still settling in and arriving, you know, right, right, right. still, still uh, yeah. migrating into their seats. So usually it'd be an upbeat song okay. kind of thing. Then you go into a more serious, uh, but still upbeat yeah. two or three songs. And then, and then our idea was then you go deeper into the, the Holy of Holies. So then it becomes mm-hmm. intimate language. Uh, you Slow, know, slows down a little bit, maybe slows down in tempo becomes okay. the lyrics become more, uh, more intimate, mm-hmm. you know, intimacy with God kind of thing. And, and then usually, you know, an invitation to just, uh, reflect on your week repentance, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, and then prayer, it would enter into prayer. And then we made a point to, at, during either the worship or right near the end of that song, the singing, to bring, uh, we, we would uh, pack uh, grocery bags for the needy and we'd mm. encourage people to carry it in their cars or whatever and give them away. Okay. So we would put that in the center. Almost like a call to action type. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is our offering. In yeah. other words, we can't divorce this singing time with mm. your the way that you serve people out mm-hmm. on your regular you know on on your Monday through Saturday yeah absolutely. so that was that was and then it was all leading up to at the end of our church days it was the the communion which is the ultimate holy of holies and mm-hmm. that kind of thing so yeah that was kind of our your get down our, our thing yeah and um and this I am more more familiar with, but maybe if you could sort of lay down, lay out how um, your Sunday service looks like contemporary, like now in the here and now. Well, here and now we're a small group, so it's a different dynamic altogether. Of course, of course. And so, but I think it's I think it's important to contrast the two. Yeah, because because kind of like what you led off with, <clears throat> as far as like. In the ancient, like if you looked at the ancient Hebrews to contemporary, right, the evolution of their of their life, right, the way it, it from the different um, uh, tabernacles, you know what I mean, and then eventually into the Torah. But so I, th- I think it's an important compare and contrast for those listening to this too, because there are different yeah. forms. Uh, I mean, we've kind of evolved through the years, but lately it's been more. Um, very casual affair, obviously, because it's a small mm-hmm. gathering. Um, but we try to work a, a silence in there, mm-hmm. a centering prayer of some sort, a listening, a deep listening, almost Lectio Divina, with the gospel reading. So we're still tied to liturgy in that sense. And then it leads into communion, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And so. And um, I guess going back to the. Um, the olden times, your olden days. But one of the things that Foster talked about that I thought that I didn't, I don't know if I was so much interested in the sense of like, um, it it was uh, a novel idea. One of the things he talked about was like preparation for worship. You know what I mean? Like, like starting the the day before and, and even, I mean, not, it was two things. It was like throughout the week doing stuff, you know, kind of like you just uh, talked about, but then even, we're uh, preparing the night before and stuff like that. And um, I, I'm interested in, in what your preparation was um, during that time, during, during oh, the, yeah. the, the big church day, so to speak. Um, yeah. Of, of what your, uh, not only yours, but maybe the church as a whole, kind of what the preparation was throughout the week. Yeah. It was exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I would get up at, you know, keep in mind, I was, you know, I was teaching high school for 40 hours a week or more. Right. And then, yeah. And then on Sunday mornings, I would get up uh, three or four in the morning and just, uh, you know, literally prostrate myself on my living room floor and and pray and study and, you know, put a sermon together, uh, praying for that meeting. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, and our team worked just as hard. We'd have to unpack all the sound equipment, the instruments, uh, the oh, children's right. stuff. We'd go to a, 
a, uh, a storage facility, uh, pack it up into, you know, four, three or four uh, vehicles, vehiculars, trucks, <laughs> go to the high school, set up, you know, this was probably an hour and a half, two hours beforehand. And then, yeah, so it was just this big to do. Um, and so, and, and so contrast that to now I step out of my house, uh, and sit on the lawn with people. Mm -hmm. And and so, so yeah, so for, so for some, some would say, uh, yeah, you, you sold out and I, and some, you know, and I would say, no, it just evolved, you know? And so just changed. Yeah. Glad you're in a position to judge me. Thank you. Uh, but I'm not defensive at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one, I think one thing to go back to the, uh, the high school church, you know, not only setting up, but then also breaking down, like tearing everything down. Oh, yeah, down. yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, so then afterwards, you know, we're meeting with people and uh, and then, yeah, tearing everything down, going back to the storage facility and then usually meeting people, new people, you know, at a restaurant mm. or something afterwards. Quick nap in the late afternoon and then a prayer meeting at 6, 7 mm, o'clock that night, which would go on till 10 o'clock. Yeah. So, yeah, we were very devoted in, in that sense. Uh, you know, I recently found a quote from Henry, Henry Nowen that we... Yeah, I think two... Well, in this post, it'll be three weeks removed from the Henry Nowen episode. Yeah. yeah. So I would say we moved from this sense of thinking our busyness was our devotion mm. to just accepting the presence and grace of God. So I would say that... So he, he's talking about prayer, but it, worship, it applies to worship, you know. So I'll just, you know, paraphrase it with that. Prayer and worship, uh, it's not a way of being busy with God instead of with people. See, that's, that's a big mm-hmm. thing. In fact, it unmasks the illusion of busyness, usefulness, and indispensability. It's a way of being empty and useless in the presence of God. And so of proclaiming our basic belief that all is grace and nothing is simply the result of hard work. Indeed, wasting time for God is an act of ministry because it reminds us and our people that God is free to touch anyone, regardless of our well-meant efforts. Uh, Prayer, he says prayer, I'll say worship as an articulate way of being useless, uh, as an articulate way of being useless in the face of God brings a smile to all we do and creates humor in the midst of our occupations and preoccupations. Um, Thinking about my own prayer, I realize how easily I make it into a little seminar with God during, uh, during which I want to be useful by reading beautiful prayers, thinking profound thoughts and saying impressive words and doing a podcast uh, I'm obviously, and, and writing a book, <laughs> writing books, which which Nowen was a prolific writer too. <laughs> I am obviously still worried about the grade. It indeed is a hard discipline to be useless in God's presence and to let God speak in the silence of my heart. But whenever I become a little useless, I know that God is calling me to a new life beyond the boundaries of my usefulness. Mm. So I, I would say that's kind of the the philosophy that we operate. Mm-hmm from now and uh, yeah and on the surface it looks uh half-hearted or it might look uh because it's not useful you know Mm -hmm. it's not 
utilitarian. You're not doing the church growth numbers like you once were. Right. Yeah. And all that. So, or putting in that much effort and time and, um, and so, well, yeah. but I mean, I would argue you still put in quite a bit of effort in the behind the scenes stuff. Well, yeah, because our, our thing is the, the, the gospel is our lifestyle. The, the mm-hmm. worship, it's a, it's a life that worships. Mm-hmm. It's a life that prays. And there's kind of a difference. Yeah. You and Marsha definitely still do stuff behind the scenes that if you came, if you came to Sunday service and hung out, you would not, you just wouldn't be aware of. Right. Right. The people that sort of show up from, from time to time and hang out for a season might not, might not, not, might not be aware of, but you know, sort of being, being aware of some of the behind the scenes stuff, but it is, it is presented in a much different way. Kind of like what that, or not kind of, but, you know, sort of how that quote broke it down as far as this appearing use, quote unquote, useful and, right. and appearing, quote unquote, um, I guess useless, but it's, yeah. but there's, ah, what would it be? It's somewhere in between, right? What appears, just because something appears one way doesn't, that doesn't make it the truth, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and so uh, I, I guess I would I would sort of be interested in your take of um, you know having lived in these these many different worlds of worship and and having led you know different uh, aspects or not aspects but just uh, manifestations of worship. Um, you know, what, how does that land for you? And I guess this is, a, this isn't me asking you about like, we're not talking about the f- manifestation of like the Sunday service, right? But more like as an observer from your perspective, how, and you can, you know, you can do it chronologically or just um, sort of an overarching view, but uh, how have you seen worship um, change and, and, uh, inspires inspire people's lives you know what i mean and and just so so i guess a contrast would be like someone the the cynic being like oh speaking in tongues is silly oh singing doesn't actually bring you closer to god um gathering once a week every week is actually isn't useful right Uh, yeah and so but i know you've witnessed the opposite of that yeah for sure i mean And, and so maybe if you could either give some examples or just describe how how you've witnessed um, yeah. that in people's lives. Cause I'm sure you've seen it time and time again in, in different forms. Well, I think, you know, in there, in the positive, you know, the, the charismatic Pentecostal expression of worship, the, you know, uh, soulful singing mm-hmm. movement of your body, mm-hmm. dancing, that kind of thing is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's very important for people to get out of your mind, get out of your thoughts and, and, and be aware of your body and so it, it's an invitation to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's also an invitation to uh, express emotions um, because that's that's really lacking in, in your everyday life most of the time, you know. Uh, yeah, it's definitely not encouraged. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't do it at work. You can't do it, you know. And so, so yeah, so there's a place to cry in public. There's a place to cry, you know, uh, to shout, a dance, uh-huh. uh, lie on the floor, fly. If you haven't tried it, 
then what are you waiting? You know, you should at least try it. Right. It's, it's a powerful thing to lie down flat on the ground. I would encourage you to do it outside, uh, yeah. not in public. Get it's, naked and lay on the <laughs> lay in the dirt somewhere. I mean, it's like happened that. to me where I was. Uh, I'll, I'll just confess. You know, I'm out in the. I was out in the desert, and as I often am, and would lie down on the ground, yeah. flat, praying, and and next thing I know, I hear footsteps <laughs> <laughs> catches me a horseback rider yeah, or somebody yeah. and you know what are you gonna do right you're, you're caught already naked there. you're yeah. just there you know uh so what you know you just shrug your shoulders and say this is who i am yeah uh, I'm, just, I'm just living my best life out here <laughs> yeah so maybe you know so there's some value to what jesus said go into your inner closet your inner room and lock the door <laughs> so that you're not embarrassed it's not the worst embarrassing thing i've ever been caught doing uh my mom walked in on me one time when i was doing air guitar in the mirror <laughs> that that's was amazing more embarrassing than other moments uh than anything else so anyway um yeah try it or or try a a, a thing that looks sounds foolish on the surface uh do a hundred prostrations mm. uh you know before you know i don't know do it do it liturgically do it symbolically you know mm -hmm. Face the east, if you will, you know, and that kind of thing, and try it. Um, so, um, yeah, so so the, the charismatic Pentecostal definitely offers that, uh, and it also has an expectation that you'll hear from God. God will mm. speak to you, um, and then uh, and then on the other end, the the with the liturgical, um, you know, because the two don't like each other. <laughs> Mm -hmm. the whoever's in those groups so the, oh i see what you, yeah the groups yeah, of those two yeah yeah because yeah, i was gonna say it seems it seems like they feed off each other but you're talking about the actual no no groups of people most charismatics and pentecostals will say they're because they they'll say their worship is superior yeah, yeah to those course. other frozen chosen <laughs> because god wants worship that's this and that yeah, yeah, yeah and then the others say well that's not dignified and and why would god look down their nose yeah, yeah. exactly so you know and uh and so, so let me, the, so the positive end of the liturgical would be, uh, ultimately we're heading for silence. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, uh, when you get to the Holy of Holies, it's absolute silence. That's the point of that. Mm -hmm. And emptiness really, um, so that the fullness of God's presence can dwell there, uh, but there has to be emptiness. And so, so, you know, so, so that's a profound thing as well. When it makes me think of the, the emptiness of like, um, between, uh, oh, what it, is it? Holy Friday. Is right. It, yeah. Yeah. And, and good Easter Friday, Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday, the silent, the representative silence right in the middle yeah. uh, between those two. Exactly. So, you know, so both are, and you know, and then the other one culminates in the Eucharist, which is mm -hmm. the oldest and original in, in church history, uh, is is that that breaking of bread and the pouring of wine together? That's the, you know, the ultimate. So, so I say try both. Yeah. You know, and, well, and I think especially if if you've bought into one, why not try the other? Yeah, right. Exactly. If you haven't, you know what I mean. If you what we're talking about is this like looking, you know, judging the other side of these two. Yeah, you know, if you if you're if you've tried both of them, then you you know what I mean. You're yeah. you have some insight of them. But I don't think a lot of people are in that camp, you know. And so if you're in one camp, go hang out with the other camp for a little yeah. while and vice versa, you know. And, you know, and you're addressing the people that say that's just silly, 
to go to church anyway or to even right. to be a worshiper is silliness and uh which I think is a growing sentiment in in our culture, right? It's, your church is irrelevant, worship is well, and I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about um this ultra rational yeah like we're, we're pretending we're ultra rational beings but we're not no we're not yeah. we're ultra emotional beings yeah. that then reverse engineer a rationale yeah. behind whatever it is <laughs> i mean when i was a sold out vineyard guy and they would accuse us of that when we were more relevant in the larger you know we would ha- uh the vineyard as a whole would get attacked a lot on radio mm. we're not important enough now to do that but uh uh, I used to own it. I was, of course, it's emotionalism. Yeah, it's not emotionalism for the sake of emotionalism. Yeah, yeah. But emotion emotions are very important, uh, and so why uh, why repress them? And so that that'd be my answer to that is that most of us spend our lives, our days, being guarded. Mm. We guard, we put up these walls and these guards for the sake of protecting ourselves, right? Our emotions. Uh, and we wear these personas even in our own homes mm-hmm. and, and right. these masks uh, and, and around our friends yeah. and a different one for work. And, and so worship is a, is a, the, the idea of, 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 uh, dancing, singing, uh, even being still and silent. Um, those kinds of expressions disarm you from all of that. Uh, they unmask you to yourself. Uh, they give you an opportunity to be your authentic self or at least to find who you are. Um, and so that's, that would be my argument for that. Well, I, and I, I can't remember, it might've been on the, the episode we did around, um, Rich Mullins. And I'm pretty sure I've shared this story, but, um, I remember I had maybe not a closed mind to it, but this idea of, of singing being a, a spiritual or theological sort of expression you know, I, I was like, eh, I don't know. Like I, I was court. I didn't buy into it, I guess would be the the right way. You know, if I went to a church where they're singing, I would sing along, right. you know what I mean? But sort of this, um, as a utility of, of opening myself up to God, it just, I was like, eh, I don't know about all that. Um, until I went to Taze, oh, you know, yeah, and, and, yeah. and two things about that. Um, and it, both of them have to do with singing, but one, just the sheer number of people, you know what I mean? And it's not a performance, you know what I mean? There's not a band at the front doing, you know what I mean? Doing whatever it, it, it very is, it very much is about the music. Yeah. Um, everyone's, you know, singing. Um, and, and as we were having this conversation, it's like speaking in tongues, but only because they because Taze is such a international community. Yeah. There's literally I think people from all like six of the seven continents live at the monastery there. So they have songs in every literally every language. Wow. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's so 90% of the song, probably more than that, were not in English. Yeah. And so I had no idea. Like they, you know, they would have the sort of translations but you're it doesn't matter what the translation is because you're saying it yeah in a different language and so you get into this uh you know for lack of a better word trance because you're singing and you're singing in in tongues basically but you know it is a language you know and so um definitely my week during that time opened 
at the moment opened my heart up and mind up to this idea of singing sort of as an act of, of connecting with, with God. And it, you know, it's communally like we're yeah. talking about. Um, and I guess retrospectively speaking in tongues because you're doing it in different, in so many different languages, yeah, exactly. you know, it's not just like a handful of languages. Yeah. Cause it's not about analyzing mm-hmm. the words. That's not what it's, you know, it's like the irascible genius, David Byrne, uh, front, front man for one of the greatest bands, uh, talking heads. And he interviewed himself <laughs> in nice. the eighties and, and he asked himself, uh, why do you wear such a, uh, a big suit? Cause he was known in the eighties for wearing this giant suit mm. when he would perform. And then he answered himself saying, because I want my head to appear smaller because music isn't about thinking. Mm. It's about, uh, inter- you know, entering mm-hmm. in your body and your emotions. And so, yeah, there's, a lot of wisdom there, and I just wanted to get talking in. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it has to do with what we're talking about, about trying to step away, or not step away, but enter in, not only enter into worship in a rational way. Yeah. You know, and, and doing it in a, in a in a different way, too. And and um, one of the things that uh, I'd really, uh, one of the things that Richard Foster broke down in a way that I, I once again hadn't really thought about, but he was talking about um, different kinds of worship. So he's talking about like the greater worship, kind of what we were talking about, you know, like the Sunday worship. Yeah. But he's also talking about individual, like worship on your own, uh, small group, whether I think he said like two or three people um, and not, not in a Bible. St- he's, he specifically said not in a Bible study sort of sense, but in a, a legit worship type sense yeah um and and i would wonder I, i'm interested in sort of your breakdown or you, or maybe just your experience with this idea of different sized worship um and for you it might be throughout time you know what i mean whatever how yeah. however you've entered into it but I, I would be interested in in whether it's your your own experience or things you've you've noticed for that have helped people in those those realms mm, yeah um well, I can I can think of some things that I've I really admire. I didn't experience it myself. Yeah, that I think that that makes sense. Okay, uh, there's uh, there's a book uh, a book comes to mind by uh, J. Philip Newell uh, called "The Rebirthing of God," and he talks about his experience at a cathedral in New York City uh, called Saint John the Divine. I'm assuming it's right in the middle of the city there so that makes it relevant right there the so it's the urban cathedral mm. so i think there's so much opportunity there and he went there on i think it was uh called a saint francis sunday which is october okay when we were talking last week about saint francis yeah we went deep into it was because it was his feast saint francis day. yeah that's why the person posted that oh okay uh, okay yeah, yeah but anyway um and he he describes the cathedral as being uh, packed out, completely packed out that day, mm-hmm. uh, which urban cathedrals usually have 10 people. Yeah, it's usually, it's usually kind Sunday. of sparse. But it was St. Francis Sunday, and he, and he said it, they have a larger gathering uh, than Easter and Christmas on St. Francis Sunday, and everybody brings their animals oh, to be blessed. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And this great creativity takes place. Uh, there's, uh, you know, ecology and environmental 
issues brought up in a spiritual way. Um, and then he said the, the the most solemn point came when these doors opened and it was a, and they were practice, it was they were invited into silence. And so while in the midst of this silence, have you ever been in a cathedral with people being silent? It's a profound thing. Mm-hmm. Um, these huge doors opened up and it was a procession of all the animals. Mm. And so, and it was in no particular order, exotic, large animal, camels, giraffe. I think it was a giraffe. I don't, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> they brought it from the Bronx Zoo. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, come on, giraffe. You know, uh, bow constrictors, you know, the small, large from all over the world. Yeah, mice. In, in a procession going down and everyone admired them in silence and in reverence um uh, it's a powerful thing and uh and then he I, I found the quote here and he says but what impressed me most that morning was that the church was not telling the people what to believe they already knew what they believed that was why they were there the church's role was to serve that deep knowing and to help translate it into how we live together with the earth and so that's a that that's uh, a very admirable. It's a powerful thing. Th- relevant worship to me in that sense, um, you know. And then of course Taizai, they the these this group of monks they're Catholic and Protestant, uh, and they just do their monastic living. Mm-hmm. They sing their songs every day. They do their monastic prayer orders, service, work, all that, and then they invite young people to come to their place and i don't it's like what five hundred thousand a year or something it's a huge number and it's even the week so the week that i went was like specific they do one week a year specific to like young adults so i think it's like i don't know 25 to to 40 or something like that um but usually the other weeks of the year there's more in attendance and it's like you're saying it's focused for like teenagers right and early 20s yeah, and they bring up issues of uh, war and reconciliation. Everything, yeah, anything you could think environmental of. Environmental care. Yeah. All those things, you know. So it's so it's where the so that's where the justice meets the songs because that's always that's a theme in Judaism and the prophets uh which I think I've read that some scriptures here mm-hmm. which is you know don't co- you know where there are I'm paraphrasing different prophecies in you know in the uh Jewish scriptures but basically the uh, God telling Israel don't come here with your solemn assemblies and your songs. They're nothing but a stench in my nostrils mm. because you won't provide justice for the poor, yeah. for the widow, the prisoner. Uh, do that. That's the real worship. And then you can sing and then you can offer. And so that's, it's always that. It's got to meet the streets. Yeah, that in balance. That, in that sense. And so... Uh, well, and one of the things that stuck out to me, well, there's many things, but the week that I was there, there was a... Um, dancing group performance, a dance performance group from Miramar, wow. you know, and and so they did their performance, and then I don't who knows how long, you know what I mean, how long afterwards they talked about the the genocide and the killing and the, yeah. the stuff that was going on there um, through the government, you know what I mean, and and yeah. um, and at that time, you know, I I had heard about it, but then seeing seeing this beautiful dancing you know, inspired me and, you know, it's probably full head, you know, 
foolishly, you know, like maybe I should be in touch with these things more, but because I saw this beautiful dance group, you know what I mean? Made up of, of, I don't know, I don't know the age range, but there was children in it and there was adults in it. Right. And I, you know, inspired me to look more at what was going on in in their country. You know what I mean? And see, see the brutality and the, and the, um, human rights violations. Yeah. And all that stuff going on. So, so through that, you know, through that performance, there was this greater knowledge. Cause I'm sure there's probably 50, 50 to 70 people in that room watching this performance. I'm, there's no doubt in my mind that I wasn't the only person there that wasn't familiar with what was going on. And then also that was inspired to go look more into it. Right. And so, um, you know, through this, this beautiful, joyful 20 to 30 minutes of dancing brings a greater awareness worldwide of what's going on in their country, you know, and it doesn't logically, that doesn't make sense. No. Right. There should be a PowerPoint. There should be, you know what I mean? A, a setup of, of an organization going to the UN and bubble, you know, telling you what to believe. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. But that, you know, this, this was not that there was no PowerPoint. You know what I mean? I think the lady who was speaking from the country maybe had some note cards in her hand to remind her of some bullet points to hit. Um, But she was more so speaking from her heart and the experience she had witnessed in her country and and talking about this terrible stuff is going on. And I still love my country and this uh, dance tradition from my country. And I want to share it with you um, and share, share the sad part as well. And it was just, it was, it was just a very, Logically, not the right answer, yeah. but absolutely the right answer in a much deeper sense, in in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, and I think Foster quotes uh, some someone, <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing it, but basically worship is the interaction, your interaction with reality. And so that's, that's a key thing mm. as well. So it's not an escape to get into some other you know, to zoink your mind out in some way so that you can escape your life. Uh, no, it's an engagement of these things. It's an engagement in the, in your emotions, uh, and, and your situation and the situation of the world. So, so that's, and you know, and this might be another bad analogy, like I said earlier. So if it falls apart, you can call me on it. Um, but just, uh, the difference between in the self-help industry of, of meditating so that you can become an improved person. Mm. Uh, worship doesn't allow you to do that because it's, you're, you're reaching out of yourself. Uh, you're worshiping another and becoming one with that other, mm. the, the holy other. Uh, and so, so it's an invitation to step out outward um, rather than, uh, you know, what's the condition of my soul and my psyche and, uh, am I being trans? You know, being obsessed with your own transformation, that kind of thing. Usually, when you're you're transformed, uh, the people around you see it, and you're not much you know, sooner than yeah. yeah the that's a real transformation. Yeah. So anyway, well, I think it goes back to um, two things. One, we've talked about on the podcast the this idea of spiritual bypassing. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can use these things, whether it's meditation, worship, whatever, yeah. to to try to to avoid what actually is going on in the world. Um, but when you truly engage in them, in my opinion, that's, you can't spiritually bypass, right? right, right. Like it's, 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 it's going to be come part of your, um, part of your being part of your reality, yeah. you know? And I think 
also too, going back to what you said earlier, which it, it just, the dots kind of connected, but the difference between worship and a performance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so you can go to church and watch a performance. Yeah. That's available. Um, or you can go to church and worship. Yeah. And, and there's some, you know, like if you're taking the Venn diagram, there's some overlap. Absolutely. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So just because it's a church is line. performing doesn't mean you can't engage yeah, in the worship. Yeah, it doesn't mean there individuals there that, are, <laughs> that get it. And being transformed. Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's a hard, I mean, in my own limited experience, uh, I, I noticed the shift in the, uh, I remember bringing it up actually at a, at a staff meeting at the church. I was the, the rogue youth pastor and, and we were talking about the, church. Coy- the coyote. Yeah. The coyote in the group. And everybody's wondering why the hell is he here? Including myself, right. including God. Why is he there? Uh, and I remember being a, a, you know, a jackass doing, I mean, I was a jackass a lot of times, uh, but such as you are in your twenties, late teens. Um, but I remember us discussing church growth theory and trying to become a secret that the buzzword in the late, in the nineties, not late nineties, this was early nineties, okay. late eighties, actually, I'm really old, <laughs> uh, was to be a seeker sensitive church. That was a buzzword. Seeker sensitive? Seeker sensitive. Okay. In other words, be an attractive church to people who don't know church culture I at see. all. And, you know, and, and. And what I realized, I brought it up, uh, accidental wisdom, I guess, mm-hmm. was, uh, well, our number one priority is worship. And and, and the, our definition of worship was the singing time. And when you say your do- number one priority, that was a vineyard number one priority. Right. And yeah. that church too. Right. So I said, so far, if our number one priority is worship and this expression of worship, and we want to be seeker sensitive, those two, those two do not they're, they are mutually opposed to one another because if someone who's never gone into a church goes in and hears people, sees people lifting their hands, crying, people mm. kneeling down, people shouting. And in those days we were, a lot of us were clucking like chickens and right. making animal noises. Uh, yeah. If you've yeah, never speaking experienced in tongues that before, out loud, all of that, it could be intimidating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's not secret sensitive at all. So I think what happened is, Churches wanted to grow uh, eventually, mm. charismatic churches specifically. So I started seeing the results of that. I would say in the, uh, and there were other factors, obviously. In the 2000s, it seemed that when I would visit charismatic churches in this region, and again, I'm not some world traveler. Right, 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 right. But it just seemed like it in the south, You know, in, in the Southwest, yeah. in El Paso. But it felt like it had shifted to a performance rather than this is we're, we're putting up a nice performance and and people were just you know watching this performance um, well, and it just seemed less and less participatory as as it went on. Well, when I think of growth, I think about like the franchise model, right? And so yeah. any city you go to in the United States, you walk into a Walmart or McDonald's. It looks exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. The layout is the same. You know what to do. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, so do you think that's almost what uh, the church shifted to is this idea of like a franchise model where it's it's seeker sensitive in the sense that you walk in and it's it's going to seem familiar because maybe you've gone to a similar church in, in Omaha and now you're in Orlando, yeah. Florida and, and, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, um, I think that's exactly what happened because what also happened was that uh, non-charismatic evangelicals like Baptist churches uh, adopted that style of worship. With like music at the beginning, the music, the light show, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. Uh, the 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 worship leader who's uh, you know uh, a hipster worship leader. Yeah, he's got the t-shirt and the yeah, and the converse on, it's just like us. <laughs> and it's just all yeah, fake authenticity. Uh, I remember at a vineyard, I was at a vineyard conference in Anaheim, and they had a uh, I won't say the name, but it was. It was the church's worship team from the church that pretty much invented church growth and secret okay. sensitivity okay. in the Midwest. And uh, and that team was there. And, and yeah, they had the hipster worship leader guy who's just one of us. And they had someone up there who was popular at the time, probably still is, uh, to have someone up on the stage also painting, painting, oh, you know, an image while, yeah, yeah, while yeah. worship is going on. And... Uh, and and I and I was looking at him and he goes he goes you know this painting reminds me of and he went into this little spiel and he never even looked at it he knew what the painting was going to be it didn't even matter oh, if he knew what it was going to be yeah, 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 it just right, right. was this scripted so yeah, yeah, yeah. scripted but scripted to appear real just yeah. like reality television yeah, yeah. and so that's uh, funny and so it just yeah my senate you know and so I struggled personally during that time and I ended up getting too much in my head. Mm. with worship so i would analyze lyrics and they're terrible most of the most yeah. contemporary worship yeah. lyrics are terrible yeah uh and you know they're just not jesus they're, is my they're either very vanilla or they're a little bit too erotic for yeah me. yeah very erotic <laughs> but uh, you should be singing which i don't to mind jesus. that there's a tradition for that but uh yeah uh and so yeah is this a lady gaga song or is this a <laughs> what a modern hymn i don't know, you know? I, I meant to send you this video the other day it was sort of the evolution of this hipster pastor, but it's now the millennial pastor. Ah, okay. And, he's, and the one line that stuck out to me is like, this idea of Jesus is lit, brah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, there's a there's a campaign on right now. Uh, he gets us. Oh, I he saw that. Us, I, saw, I, <laughs> I saw it Sunday and I was watching f- football with one of my buddies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we looked That's at each other. <laughs> we're like, I don't think Jesus needs a commercial during football. Yeah, he's, it's just, he's got yeah. it under control. Oh, that's funny. And so I think that's, that. I forgot about so that. So that's kind of what happened again. It's just my, it's just my guess. It's my estimate that, that the theology of, of the reality of what was happening when a congregation gets together, that we are entering into the Holy of Holies. Uh, we are entering in, if you want to use more Catholic language, we are experiencing the communion of the saints, yeah, the ancestors, uh, the mystery of God, yeah, and we're appearing together before the throne of God, the ultimate uh, plane of reality, mm-hmm. and uh, that that was ditched, and and it just became a, you know, it's it's for the most part, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like as a performance kind of thing, and you know, I'd rather go see a concert. Well. So we're we're coming close to time, but I I really want to ask you this question because you mentioned earlier the idea of people just sort of giving up on worship altogether, right? Yeah, and I yeah. Know, and I, you know, I know what intrigues me about this question is I know you're sympathetic to that idea, you know, of like, well, you know, what's the point? You know what I mean? Right, and, right. Um, but 
with someone that's at that point, either about to give up on this idea of engaging in worship, or maybe has never given it a shot, right. you know what I mean? Because of the, you know, just sort of this, this bigger feeling of it's, it's not, you know, it's not worth it. Or, you know what I mean? The hour, you know, the time out of the week isn't, could be better. You, you know, could be more useful in a way. Right, right. So kind of, you know, what, I don't want to say challenge, but what idea would you, would you throw out there for someone either on the fence of leaving or have, has never engaged of worship? Why can this feed your spiritual life? Why, why can this be, um, part of your spiritual life in a meaningful way. Yeah. It's again, like, like your experience that you described. Cause I had a similar experience. I started listening to chant music, mm, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. Latin, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so you, so you don't listen to the lyrics, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I took some Latin in college, you know, but it still wasn't enough to, right. Uh, and so there was a sense, uh, of, uh, the, uh, the transcendence of God. Mm. And so, so it might be something like that. It's a perspective shift that needs to happen. Um, you know, there is this idea in, in Christian theology of the transcendence of God versus the eminence of God. Mm. And so this low church Pentecostal wild experience is the, uh, is the eminence of God. God's presence is here. And now God will speak to you and touch your heart here and now. Mm-hmm. But there's also a sense of the imminence of God is holy other. And there's a sense of deep mystery and silence and you can sit there and just behold it. Mm-hmm. So switch yourself up and try to do something like that. Uh, go to a Quaker meeting. Yeah. Sit those in are silence powerful. with them for an hour. Those are powerful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, because I've heard a lot of people say, you know, you worship leaders, that's not real worship. Well, are you to say that? Well, you know? I'm guessing they've never gone and participated yeah, with, with the yeah, Quakers. because Exactly. It shifted. It, yeah, that put a big shift on me. Yeah, the times I went. Yeah. So so yeah, go try something different. Uh, is is what I would say. You know, your your perspective is probably switching from a uh, an I thou relationship with God. That's a possibility. We could, that's a whole other podcast. Mm-hmm. In other words, it's not me and Jesus as buddies. Jesus is my co pilot anymore. Right. But your perspective and your experience is evolving to its I and I subject to subject, not subject to object. Uh, but that's, that's a lot to unpack right yeah. there. So. Well, and I think to uh, sort of your breakdown reminded me, you know, we talk about in the recovery world, go, go to as many different meetings as you can until you find some that feel you feel at home or yeah. at least comfortable with, yeah. you know? And I think, I can't remember, I wish I could remember who, but um one of the road to desert rains with, with the, one of the helms, they talked about that, about having, when moving to El Paso and just checking out church after church after church and actually feeling kind of discouraged and then finding your guys's church um, yeah. on the East side. And, and it is like, Oh yeah, we've, we found our home or whatever, yeah. you know? And so challenge yourself, you know what I mean? If, if you've never been, you know, so you, you don't know what you're looking for, go find a bunch of different ones to just check out for a week or two. Um, yeah. And, you know, and if you do that for six months, you might find after six months, you were right about worship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but might as well test, you know, uh, try to prove yourself wrong, you know, yeah. and um, cool, man. You good? Yeah. Yeah. It feels good. Do you want to add anything before we, I would just add that last image in the gospels. Uh, 
of it's either Mary of Bethany, sometimes it's Mary of Magdalene, mm-hmm. sometimes it's an unnamed woman who crashes the party mm-hmm. that Jesus was at, uh, at the Pharisee's house. It's right. a different context because it appears this event happened regularly with different people okay. uh, throughout the Gospels. And and the woman would take uh, her alabaster box, uh, which was her whole savings. They didn't have savings mm-hmm. accounts then of, of expensive oiled uh, perfume and break it open, that image of breaking that open and then spilling it on Jesus's feet, washing his feet mm. with her hair. It's very, it's erotic yeah. even. Um, and, and then adding tears to that. She's mm. crying. Um, so it's this idea of, of letting your heart break yeah. over the, the feet of your own life in that sense. And over the the situation of the world, and to allow yourself to to have that kind of vulnerability and expression, you know, and hopefully in a safe place where no one's mm-hmm. gonna manipulate, you know, even if it's in your own room, uh, that image to live that way is yeah. to have your heart broken in a joyful way and in a sorrowful way, and and let it flow in that sense can be very transformative. So yeah, well, I, I, I preach there, but no, but I think that's also when you pointing out doing it in a safe space, you know what I mean? And trying to, at least for me, finding a community yeah, where, yeah. where that, um, even if it pushes the bounds of what they believe or what they're comfortable with, still having a community that will support you in a safe way yeah. for these kinds of things exactly. is extremely important. Beautiful, man. Thank you. Another one in the, in the books. Um, actually, I think this is going to come out the 25th of October. So if you're listening to this on the 25th of October, two days from now, the 27th, uh, David Morrison uh, will be participating in a Pecha Kucha at the Plaza Theater. Right, downtown El Paso. 7 p.m. I think so. Yeah. Um, And there'll be other people uh, doing their um, thing as well, but... uh, we will be there um, participating as one of one of many and um, uh, enjoying being part of that uh, community. So uh, come check us out if, if you're available on a Thursday evening. Uh, thank you to Jacob. That's what you hear in the background. Uh, monk drums. And uh, thank you, David. Thank as you, always, For sitting down and having these conversations. And um, yeah, until next week. 